Hey guys, this is James. And Greg. We're the co-hosts of the Sports Dance Podcast, a weekly podcast recapping all the news, sports, daily fantasy, and anything else you can want to know in the sports world. If you like blazing hot sports takes, you like a little bit of humor, maybe a little bit of murder. No, just kidding. All sports. But follow us, uh, Greg. On Twitter at SportsStands underscore. You can follow James at SportsStandsJ. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, we got it all. At Boom. the SportsStands. And, you know, just check us out. You're going to love what we bring to the table. Every single week, hot takes, nothing less. The Sports the Stance. Sports. Welcome to the Sports Sense Podcast with Greg and James. I'm the second part, and with me, as always, he's using his Apple Watch to steal all my podcast signs. It's Greg Cowan, everybody. What's happening, baby? Oh, not much, man. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm actually on cloud nine right now. It was my birthday yesterday. I'm feeling good. I got to go with Red Sox. Oh, my thunder. Greg, here it was. I specifically didn't say happy birthday yesterday to you uh, because, well, A, I forgot until like the afternoon, but B, I wanted to say it on the podcast, man. Happy birthday. Uh, Thank you very much. And A, I mean, you still have one of the best uh, Facebook posts on my birthday of all time when a few years ago you were like, the book of faces told me today was your birthday. So, you know, I just think of that. That's every year for you, basically. Yeah, that buys me a couple, huh? <laughs> it does buy you a couple. It was pretty ingenious. I, you know what? I, it's a spin zone for me. I wanted to get out of the way and let, you know, Mary and your family really have, uh, you know, the birthday, the actual day. Oh, that's uh, fine, but, too. They, their thunder was stolen anyway. I got to meet Dustin Pedroia yesterday. All right, we'll see exactly. Now, Dustin, so now your birthday um, from here on out will be... You know, remember it as, you know, day one, Dustin Bedroya, and day two was James in the sports dance. Yeah, so it was pretty fantastic. And I even got to make uh, my radio debut. I got to go on WEI last night and introduce him, talk for a few minutes. It was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Did you, you said you want to have a little recording or something that you want to play yeah, for Yeah, I got all? a little thing right here, if you all bear with me for a second. Yeah. I don't need, need me to vamp, need me to stall. You can, you, you can vamp all you want. I mean, you can tell people what we're going to be listening to, what we're going to be talking about today. Greg, we have a big show on the docket. Uh, We have football preview. We're going to kind of dive into it. Last year, we really went division by division and uh, got kind of into the minutiae of each team. And this year, I said, fuck that. Uh, We're just going to go through and ask each other fun questions about the season, about different narratives, about things that we were excited about and things we're less excited about. Uh, And we're going to get into all that. Uh, We might touch on some other stuff, too. That's primarily we're going to be at. But before we get into any of that, uh, how are you? I'm good. I've got the clip all queued up. If you're ready for it, I'll just do the Shoot. intro part where I did my, you know, my best p- moment of the whole night. So iTunes is like, I'm going to load it up for you. Five earned runs for the moment. And Dustin Petroia coming to the plate. Without further ado, here is our Salem Five Bank where Greg Cowan to introduce him. Now batting the designated hitter, Dustin, the laser show Petroia. He <laughs> love it. Got a little pizzazz in there. You didn't practice that at all, did you? No, I actually had a few different ones. That was good. That felt comfortable. That's good. So yeah, that was, that was my big uh, radio debut. Hey, we are on a rocket ship, Greg, and you just uh, commenced liftoff right there. We're coming for you, top ten sports podcast. We're coming for you. We're yeah, coming hard. Exactly. No, I. You know what? You brought a ton of energy. You. Uh, most people. 
when they get up there in those kinds of situations, they don't take full advantage. You got your money's worth. Oh, I did. I was like, I'm not going to be one of those people that's just like, uh, now, uh, now batting a uh, number 15. Uh, he's designated hitting tonight. Dustin Pedroia. Yeah. I'm done with it. No, I was like, I'm going all in. This is my debut. Maybe, you know, if they need a fill in, I can come in and, you know, call a game or two. Yeah, exactly. You put a little chutzpah into it, which I like. I had to. Uh, awesome, man. Well, that's great. I'm glad you had a good birthday. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you had a great time. What are you, 22? Yeah, I wish. Uh, the big, nice 28. So I still got two years till I'm super old. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. you are officially late 20s. That's, I am. That's, the body was feeling it. The body felt it this morning after a few drinks last night. I think that you have to be shook that you're officially in the late 20s. I, I'm firmly in mid-20s, and I'm, I'm loving every second of it. Luckily, we have some friends who are a few years older than me, so I don't feel as bad. I know. I was actually talking to people at my work the other day, some people who were in like their first job, and uh, <laughs> you know, they were all still friends with like 22-year-olds and 21-year-olds. Some people were from college or whatever, and I realized that I was like the youngest of our friends yep. uh, because every single one of them is in like their late 20s and like buying houses and stuff like that. And meanwhile, I'm you know, doing whatever it is that I do without giving too much away on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, actually, one other big thing this weekend that I forgot to even tell you about, uh, added a new member to the family, a furry one, uh, got a puppy this weekend. Hey, great. What kind? What's the name? Her name, is, her name is Chloe. She's a soft-coated Wheaton Terrier, and she looks like a fake stuffed animal. I always ask people what kind of puppy or what kind of dog they have. Like, I give a fuck or have any yeah. idea of what the dog is. Like, I'll I'm send you a picture later, and I bet your response is going to be, oh, my God, that dog's adorable. And Amy's going to be, like, freaking out because, you know, girls, that's what they do. Yeah, that's what it is. Well, awesome, man. I'm, I'm happy for you. It sounds like you're living your best life. I am. How are you doing? How have you been since we last talked? Eh, fine. Of course. <laughs> what's the, Not much what's, going on. Game of Thrones. Thrones Go ahead. Oh. Was the Thrones finale the la- happened since we last talked? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it, it had happened right before we started our podcast. That's again. what it was. So I'm, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm putting my toe in the water in other in other situations. Uh, I'm about halfway through. Um, oh, what's that shit that they have on HBO? The uh, documentary with Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. Uh, it's um, like it's like the behind the music or something type it's thing. It's behind the music, but it's called something specific. It's um. Da- I don't behind know. the beats, something like it's that. It's not behind the beats. It was behind the beats. It opened up with a really cool shot of, uh, you know, what what their whole situation was uh, when Apple started uh, purchasing Beats. Um, it is called. Bear with me here. Oh God, you just went it's on okay. a big, long on, thing about your on Apple. Life. It's okay. The Red Sox probably are getting it. The, you know, the signals right now to their watch to hand to you, so that you can actually get the name out. So I kind of like this because you went on this big long thing about your, you know, personal thing about your your personal life, uh, you know, talking about all these things that are deeply, you know, personal to you about your birthday, <laughs> about the new puppy, about the whole thing, and then meanwhile I'm just kind of like, yeah, let me spend like you know 20 minutes looking up this title of the show. Like, I'm just waiting for Atlanta to start in uh, September. I've been waiting for the Patriots to start in about an hour, so we got a time crunch here. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and abandon this. It's a good show on HBO. You're going to really like it. I'm going to yeah. shout it out at some point. I'm going to figure it out. Show. Yeah, exactly. But check that out. So nothing else going on besides that show that I can't even name, Greg. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine. Let's get right into it then. It's NFL season, man. Like you said, it starts in an hour. We got to get going. The Defiant Ones. Oh, the Defiant Ones on HBO. Check it out. Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. They go through the whole history of like, West Coast versus East Coast rap and like, 
you know, how Jimmy Iovine was like, uh, you know, the producer for like Bruce Springsteen and Patti Smith, but then all of a sudden he became the producer for like NWA and like a lot of these West Coast guys. It was really, really interesting. Um, so anyway. I would definitely check it out. All right. That's five minutes of solid non-sports talks. So let's get into yeah. it, Greg. We got the NFL back on our hands tonight. Oh, it's great. It feels good. Air's getting crisp. It falls around the corner. I'm loving it. So, and uh, like I said up top, this year we're kind of going a little bit of a different route in terms of our season preview. We are going to go uh, question by question. We've each written down a list of them. And we're going to ask each other a bunch of questions until we got no mo. Yep. So, uh, you, you, do we need any drum roll or any further ado? Or should I, mean, we just I can dive do a right little in? drum roll on the desk if you want, like... There you go. That's the drive. All right. First question of the 2000. I feel like I'm in the Polar Express right now. The first question <laughs> of the 2017 NFL season. Hot chocolate. Um, nope. This is the one that I, this is for some reason the first one that I came up with. So let's start off on a dour note here. Team you were least excited to watch this season. So the NFL team that you were least excited to watch. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Oh, I'll go first. I got this queued up. I already know who it All is. Right, shoot, shoot. It's the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, mm. They're they're not they're not a sad fun team to watch. They're just no. uh, there's I don't don't care about them. They won two games last year. They're probably gonna win maybe two games this year if they're lucky. Their quarterback situation's a mess. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, who knows? Maybe they'll be a phenomenal team this year. Turn things around. For all I know, that's what's gonna happen because it's football. And Kyle Shanahan had one of the best offenses last year in Atlanta. But I'm going with the Niners because I'm on the East Coast. Why do I care about the West Coast? Good call. Uh, I am going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Um, wow. So in the AFC East, you have the Jets who are like intentionally tanking and trading away all their players. So you kind of have an idea of what they're doing. Um, and, and you can kind of watch them, you know, just to kind of laugh at them in a way. The Bills have a horrible team and not totally like on purpose. <laughs> like, and like they don't really know if they like they want to get rid of Tyrod Taylor, but they don't want to get rid of Tyrod Taylor and like. There's just nothing appealing about this team. Um, I can't think of a single reason why I would want to watch the Buffalo Bills. They're going to be bad, and I'm just not excited to watch them this season. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I'm, I mean, you're absolutely right. Jets, you know what you're getting. Bills have made a bunch of weird trades. They've traded away their top cornerback to the Eagles. Thank you for that. Uh, they've traded away their top wide receiver. You know, they're making moves that, Building picks, I get they want to build through the draft, but there's at some point you got to go, hey, maybe field a team that could be somewhat competent and go from there. Yeah, definitely. All right, your turn. All right. So um, first question I had written down, I'm going to save for a little bit just because I think it deserves to be later on in the show. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into rookies. What rookie is going to make you think, here comes the next GOAT? The rookie that makes you think, here's going here's to come the next GOAT. Um, you know, it, it, you want me to go? Yeah, you can go. All right. If I had to take a stab at it, um, every single person and their mother, now I realize he's hurt for the first couple of weeks of the season, but every single person and their mother says that Miles Garrett, this guy is the real deal. Um, he looks to be the best athlete to come out of college uh, into the NFL in quite some time. He's like Jadavion Clowney level scary yeah. in terms of just sheer athleticism. Um so I think that that's a really good pick. Uh, he's going to be out for a little bit. Um, so, you know, he's, he's not going to be uh, making an immediate impact. But apparently as well, the Browns' defense uh, has actually improved pretty significantly from year to year. They're not going to be the laughingstock of the NFL this year. 
Um, so between the Browns' defensive unit being, uh, you know, showing a little bit of signs of life and improving a little bit, and and the sheer athleticism uh, of Garrett, I think he kind of it, it's a it's a boring pick, but I think I kind of go with. It. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a pick that makes absolute sense, though. I mean, he's gonna be a top guy. He's the guy's a freak of nature. Uh, I'll also go with that Cook kid from uh, Minnesota yeah, if they want to do a yeah. backup. Yeah. Yeah. I'd not to take yours if that was yours. No, he, it was not. Uh, I also am going on the defensive side because I feel like that's where I feel like the next really good player is going to be coming out of. The running back class for this group that came in is stacked, but none of them I feel like is going to be be that guy where he gets 300-plus carries because this is not how the league is anymore offensively. So I'm going, even though I'm not going to pay attention to this team, I think they have a star in the making. Uh, 49er linebacker Ruben Foster from Alabama. Mm. I think he has that Ray Lewis, Patrick Willis type quality. He's a hard hitter. He has the natural instincts. He was phenomenal at Alabama. And now he's getting thrust into a starting role. And their offense, if it's bad, he's going to see a plenty of time on the field and rack those stats up. I think he's going to be one of those guys that went later on in the first round and people are going to be like, kind of wish I took him a little earlier. He was one of those ones that you missed on. Yeah, I mean, any of those Bama linebackers, I think that you're in good shape. <laughs> you're yeah. going to build defense around. Uh, the next one on my list is the team that you sort of forgot is in the league, and then all of a sudden you're watching Red Zone, and you're like, oh, yeah, that team. <laughs> um, uh, that so, team. Do you want to sure. go? I'll let you go first. All right. Uh, it's the Chargers for me. <laughs> I don't. I had one. to look up actual like NFL teams because I was like, all right, NFC East covered, AFC East, yeah, I'll watch it. And I'm like looking, I'm like, oh, yeah, the Chargers. I forgot they moved to L.A. even just because right. Philip Rivers still lives in San Diego. He doesn't even want to be a part of the whole L.A. Chargers thing. He's like, no, I'll be there once a week, you know, one day a week playing in that stadium with L.A. on my chest. I'm still sticking in San Diego. So it's the Chargers for me, they're one of those teams that they're always like kind of in the middle. So you never really think about them because they're not competing for the playoffs, but they're also not competing for like the bottom top pick in the draft. Right, and that's kind of the rationale behind my pick, and I'm going with the Detroit Lions. Oh, uh, I, I was big on Matthew Stafford, you know, last year because you know there was that kind of time during the middle of the season uh, that you know people were kind of talking about how efficient he was being in Jim Bob Cooter's offense and the whole thing, uh, and that I'm was an exact, good. that was a literal, you know, manifestation of this exact phenomenon where I was like, I completely forgot the Lions existed because you know they're never competitive in that division. And I, you know, and then all of a sudden people like wrote like two articles about the Lions and I was like, oh yeah, the Lions exist. Matt Stafford's pretty good. <laughs> and he turns out he's, what? he's only okay. So uh, I'm going with the Lions on that one. That makes sense. It makes complete sense. Uh, your next call. All right. Next the next call. one is uh, specifically for you basically because mm -hmm. I don't know if you'll know who I'm talking about. I feel like you might. Uh, can a certain 40-year-old quarterback in New England please play in a division that would actually be competitive for once? <laughs> well, the question I think that you're asking is, you know, will the AFC East teams ever get it together? Or if Tom Brady retires uh, and goes anywhere, will he, uh, will he play in a division that has it together? Actually, I'm um, asking Roger Goodell to please switch the Patriots to a different division. What team could the, what division could the Patriots be in that would make, make it competitive? Let's AFC play this game, actually. Switch the Browns out. You think? Yeah, Bengals, Steelers, Ravens, tough defenses, hard nose to go against. They always give them issues. All the right, Steelers fine. We're going to actually parlay this, Greg, into my next question. We're going to do Perfect. two questions at once. Because my question is, which is the most competitive division? 
Well, it's not the so, AFC East. <laughs> it's not the AFC East, and I think that's a good. I think that's a kind of a good parlay. So yeah. you think that the Patriots going into the AFC North would be the most competitive situation for them? I think if you're going to move them, at least in the AFC, yes. If you're moving them to the NFC, you would have to move them into the East. Who you take out of the East, I don't know, because that division, all those teams go 8-8, eight and eight, but it's because they're beating up on each other. They're all very talented squads. I mean, Eagles are one of those dark horse teams people are looking at. Redskins, you never know. Kirk Cousins could just take that offense and, who knows, make it surprisingly good. Uh, you have the Cowboys who, even without Zeke, are going to be highly competitive. And the Giants' offense this year should be scary good with their wide receiver core of Beckham, Marshall, and Shepard on the outside. I mean, even in, with having their running backs not really be the legit ones, their offense is going to be still pretty good. And their defense keeps improving. Do you think that the – does that make the NFC East and then the AFC North the most competitive divisions? Is that your opinion, or is that I like the most so. competitive divisions minus a single team sort of thing? No, I think NFC East across the board has four teams that are all pretty competitive, will always be in kind of the thick of it in games. You're never going to have a major blowout. I feel every other division has at least one team that you look at and you go, doesn't matter, my team can beat that team. No, see, because that's what that's I, that. In my opinion, that's incorrect. My pick is the NFC South, because <laughs> I think the NFC South right now is the best division uh, around, and that's you know that's kind of dependent on whether or not you're going to buy into the Buccaneers hype. Um, they've got a, got a lot of hard knocks hype going on right now. Well, even uh, got to believe in the Saints. Well, I mean, I think that the, the Saints have Drew Brees. They're always going to be competitive. You're always going to you're not going to count out Drew Brees. I don't think so. No, but their defense is horrible. But they've made some strides on their defense. You can't be the worst defense in the league three times in a, three years in a row. That's not possible. I think they made some strides on their defense. I think that they could get to if you if you are playing a Drew Brees like you know, if you're playing a Drew Brees team that's like five and six. You're still kind of nervous, right? Yeah. So that's my that's my rationale behind it. I mean, the same way that you can look at the the uh, the Cowboys and the NFC East versus the NFC South. Uh, do you th- who has the better quarterbacks, the NFC East or the NFC South? Ooh, that's hard. I actually, would, I probably have to give it to the NFC South just because Breeze, Jameis, uh, Cam, and who am I forgetting? Oh, Matt Ryan. Wow, right. I forgot Matt Ayers. Yeah, they definitely have the four <laughs> best uh, quarterbacks grouping in the whole league, and I'm definitely going to touch on one of them a little later in one of our questions. All right, well, why don't you go ahead and go with your with your next question because I kind of hijacked that one. That's fine. Uh, my next one's kind of just a little fun one to have. You know, um, are redheaded quarterbacks cursed? Are redheaded quarterbacks cursed? I don't know the answer to this question. I mean, I'm going to give you a list of some redheaded quarterbacks. I did research. Uh, so there are three at least starting in the league. So we'll just deal with those three specifically. Who besides Carson, Dalton starting? Carson Palmer is uh, a redhead. Yeah. Carson Wentz is a redhead and Andy Dalton. So you have three redheaded quarterbacks in the NFL and none of them have gone a season. I think basically without having an injury of some sort, we had Wentz last year with a concussion. You had Dalton with having, I think it was his knee or arm or one of those. And Palmer's had like his knee blown out like three times. Dalton had that one season like two years ago where everyone was kind of like, it was kind of like the pisser get off the pot season with Dalton where it was yeah. like he, he, he kind of put up a little bit with the numbers and, and the Bengals looked like, you know, I, I always kind of laugh because there's always like the second best team in the AFC behind the Patriots. <laughs> it's like a rotating door of second best teams behind the, in the AFC. Like and this they year, don't meet them in the championship and get blown off unless it's the Broncos with Manning. Right. 
<laughs> this year it's the Steelers, you know, and they've been there before, the second best team in the AFC quite a bit. It's usually some combination of the Steelers, the Broncos, or the Ravens are the best, are the second best team in the AFC. Just this year, like two years ago, it happened to be the Bengals. So yeah. I feel like Andy Dalton had like that one season where he put it all together and it looked really good. And the Bengals were the second best team in the AFC, and then it just kind of fell apart from there. Yeah. To answer your question, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, if redhead quarterbacks are cursed, you know, Carson Wentz, it's too, it's too early to tell a little bit with this guy. I mean, he looked pretty good for the first half of the season. I think that you yeah. had a, you had, you had a Wentz on I did. A, little, you know, a little hard on for, for your old boy Carson. My bandwagon was riding high. But if you're basing it off of the two elders before him, Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton, I don't think that they're, I don't think that they're cursed so much as they're just kind of like, eh, I mean, you know? they make the playoffs. They can't win. They face like the Texans who shouldn't be good with t- TJ Yates as their quarterback. You can't beat TJ Yates in the playoffs. I mean, come on. Carson Palmer, years and years and years of Bengals. Also, redheaded quarterbacks in Cincinnati. Really just, you know, that's what it is, I think. I think Cincinnati redheaded quarterbacks are cursed because Palmer also had issues when he was in Cincinnati. And by the way, the last person I'll say that was a starting quarterback that was a redhead in recent years that makes me believe they're cursed, Brandon Whedon. Hmm. Strawberry blonde. He's not red. He comes up as a ginger on list. So I'm solidifying my point. Redheaded quarterbacks are cursed. I really hope uh, the redheaded Jesus ginger in Philadelphia breaks it. Because if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be that guy because he prays every day. He's like the Tim Tebow, but actually good. I don't want to get all sabermetrics on you right now. but uh, Do it, James. Get sabermetrics. I would say the redhead quarterbacks aren't cursed so much as they just don't have a big sample size. Like you have a ton of like brown hair or blonde quarterbacks or black haired quarterbacks in the league. Um, but you just have less redhead quarterbacks in the league. So smaller sample size, like out of all the, what, what percentage of quarterbacks are like quality versus the percentage of brown haired quarterbacks are quality. I'd bet that it's a higher percentage of redhead quarterbacks are actually quality starting quarterbacks than brown haired quarterbacks. You probably make a good point. So sabermetrics just uh, threw in my face and uh, made me maybe think that they maybe aren't cursed based on sample size. <laughs> Bam. All right, my next question, I kind of like this one. Um, this is one of the ones I was proud of, at least. The good team that you're bored with or that you don't care about. Simple. It's the team, it's the team that everyone says is super good, uh, and you know, but it's just boring at this point. You don't care. Uh, and I, I'm, I think I know where you're going with this, but go ahead. Patriots. It's not the Patriots. It's That's the, the Patriots. wrong answer. Oh, it's definitely the Patriots. No, and I knew you were going to say this. And this it's is why the I Patriots. Like this it's the Patriots. It's the Patriots. You can't make me think otherwise. I could watch no games. I don't know what that sound is. Was reason why the Patriots are born. But Patriots are unbearable to watch, mainly because you know they're just going to win. You don't always know. Yeah. I mean, you know, most of the time, but you don't always know. No, the no, Patriots are important. And this is why I was so proud of this question, Greg, because I set this up for myself. Thank you very much. A little pat mm. on the back for me. The Patriots are not boring at all. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. They've lost their top wide receiver, uh, but they need to, you know, the, the exciting part is let's see how they can actually kind of fill in for this top wide receiver. Trade the uh, third stringer for a first round wide receiver from like three years ago. Yeah, well done. Yeah, exactly. Um, new roster, uh, like lineups and roster developments constantly. And then the Patriots have led the league in the last few years in, uh, in offensive set diversity. So they constantly are lining up. Like they, la- they lined up with a halfback 
the um, close to the bottom of the league, like a single halfback in the backfield, close to the bottom of the league in the amount of times they lined up in that formation. But then they subsequently went heavy with two tight end sets for like a majority of the time. And then like towards the bottom of the half of the league, they ended up doing like, you know, trips out wide, um, heavy wide receiver sets. But then also towards the top of the league, they, they were in empty backfield uh, shotguns formation. So the Patriots will constantly mix it up with different kinds of formations uh, that you don't really see other NFLs doing, uh, NFL teams doing. And other, other NFL teams, okay, just shut up. <laughs> the majority of the, the moral of the story is the Patriots aren't boring. I, I know the team that's boring uh, because they also have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick who are never boring. The team that's actually the most boring team, Greg, the good team that is boring to talk about are the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are you got, you got Aaron boring. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is boring. There's nothing, fun. There's nothing fun about the Green Bay Packers. Their coach is Mike McCarthy. He's the human incarnation of a meh. <laughs> of a meh, let's go to Applebee's. That's the Mike human, McCarthy. The human potato that can coach. Exactly. And he can't even coach. He's not even that good a coach. Mike McCarthy just sits there and let Aaron Rodgers bails him out. You know the most exciting thing about Aaron Rodgers, Greg? Would you like to know? He did it he a little bit. He a mustache this offseason. That's true. I, I even grew, found a picture of that out saying broke back Packers. He grew a mustache this offseason. Everyone's like, oh, look at Aaron Rodgers. So much personality. That's the most exciting thing you have to say about Aaron Rodgers. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Pencil them in for – and by the way, they haven't won a Super Bowl since when? When was the last time the Packers won the Super Bowl? Uh, 2009, 2010, around there. Rodgers won it. 2011. So yeah. we're going on six years without them winning an actual Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has won one Super Bowl, has been to one Super Bowl. Yeah, we're because the most boring years. team has won like three of them in the past six years. No, that's exciting. Winning Super Bowls is exciting. I wouldn't know. So, flaming out in the middle of the NFC playoffs is not exciting. The Packers are boring. They're a good team. Pencil them in for 11 wins, and they are boring. Fine. You know what? Fine. But since you know you're so proud of the Patriots, we'll lead that into my other question that I have. I have a few, but the next one, it still goes well because everybody talks about how good the Patriots are. They look at their schedule. They're like, ah, Patriots are going to be favoring every single game. Makes sense. And then you look at the reverse side. You see some other teams. They could be potentially favored to lose every game. So this year, will we have a team go 16-0? And will we have another team go 0-16? Probably be in the same division. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's the only possibility, right? The only possibility is that the Jets will go 0 and 16, the Patriots will go 16 and now. Those are the only two real realistic possibilities. Yeah, that's basically what I was getting at. No, I think it's pretty definitively no. Uh, and I'm, I gotta calm down from that Packers rant. I was really upset. <laughs> no, I, I really, I think that's pretty definitively no. It's so difficult to go 16 and 0, as I know, as being a Patriots fan, um, that one year that we did it. No, it, it's just it's just impossible, you know. Really, uh, nice slide. To go along, especially nice at the end of the day. Like, I would have at least entertained the notion had Julian Edelman not suffered the season-ending injury. But you but still, you, Brandon Cooks is literally just Julian Edelman, just in a different number. No, you don't understand. Like that, like Brady thrives on continuity, and that's like the the best seasons of Brady's career has been have been. Uh, when he has real continuity for a long period of time. Um, and, and losing Edelman's huge, you know. And for years, Greg, I've asked why Amendola and why Hogan, for example, 
um, you know, can't replicate what Julian Edelman does because they're basically the same player. Uh, it's because Tom Brady and Julian Edelman have a very real connection. Edelman will go over the middle and he'll, and he will play that kind of, when you're doing like the, the, the levels on offense, you have the, the big wide out that's going way over the top on a deep post and you're going the slot wide out that's going over the middle. And then you have the back that's coming out of the backfield for a quick catch. The only reason that you can make that work consistently with the Patriots is that Edelman will constantly uh, run a fantastic route and get open over the middle. So I think that you lose that ability when he, lo- when he goes out for the season and it's, and we don't, really definitively know who can take this place. I mean, Cooks is obviously a great receiver, don't get me wrong, but that's over 100 catches multiple years in a row with tons of production. Like, you don't just drop into a system and get that and make that happen. That's true. Okay, you make a valid point, at least for the Patriots, potentially not going 16-0. and 0. But come on, look at the Jets. The Jets are horrible. They have nobody. Offensively, defensively, they're trading top defensive linemen away. Their defense is literally going to have to win a game for them because it's the only chance they have. They've traded away. They have a wa- They have no wide receivers on the team except I think one has two touchdown catches total for the team out of all their wide receivers. None of them have a touchdown on the Jets except one. Or it may have even been in the NFL. Something along that line. Something crazy. Where the Jets have literally only one player that has scored two touchdowns catching for them. That's probably so. more likely than the Patriots going 16 hours, the Jets going on 16, but I still don't see it, to be totally honest with you. I mean, if Christian um, I could even back there, they'll lose every game. I can potentially even see the uh, the Jets winning this week against uh, against Buffalo. Ooh, okay. That but might be your best chance. I don't have a very high opinion of Buffalo, though, right now, in fairness, as you heard my last segment. Yeah, it's true. All right, going into my next question here. Um, let's see which one I want to do. Um... Let's do this one because it kind of you know let's 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 do this one. The quarterback most likely to make the leap this year, the quote unquote right. leap. So there's quarterbacks constantly. You know they talk about this all the time. It's when is he going to make the leap? Uh, the leap to God knows what. You know it's kind of up to our interpretation here. But Greg, out of the quarterbacks that are in the league right now, who do you think is the most likely this season to make the leap? Uh, most likely to make the leap, uh, I mentioned before, it kind of teased a little bit. Uh, NFC South, we were talking about the different quarterbacks there. Uh, we've seen Breeze make the jump. We've seen Ryan make the jump. Cam made the jump a few years ago, got the MVP. Uh, I think it's time for Tampa Bay's quarterback to make the jump. Jameis Winston, I think, is going to make the jump to that next level. Uh, you know, I mean, last year he threw for over 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, only uh, 18 interceptions. So, you know, he's got to work on that. But overall, Pretty good numbers. He improved from his rookie season. He's getting more comfortable. He now has a wide receiver in Deshaun Jackson who can take the top off of defense, which I think really opens it up for him. Mike Evans, you have the mighty hamster in the back who suspended the first few games, so we'll see how the running game goes. But overall, I think Jameis is the guy that's going to be making that jump, and I think he's the one that everybody's looking to make the jump this year. I think that's a common one. Uh, my one. My one gripe with that is... Winston throws like the most knee buckling interceptions ever. Like it's true. Winston is like the classic like case of a, of a player and this can happen in like any sport. It's, it's football, it's basketball, it's baseball, it's hockey. It's anything where it's just, he shows flashes of brilliance and then he makes a mistake. That's like so egregious that like you and I wouldn't make it, <laughs> you know? And uh, so he's got Mike Evans. He's got Sean Jackson. I believe. 
on the Bucks, right? Sean Jackson yeah. on the Bucks now. Sean Jackson on the Bucks. Yep. Uh, and he's got Jaquez Rogers and Doug Martin in the backfield. Those are two great, uh, great weapons. So he definitely looks poised to take the lead. I just that that interception thing to me is what really prevents me from putting Jameis on the uh, on the uh, on that on my list here. The one that I think is going to end up taking the leap is the person that was the big question mark next to Jameis, and that's Mariota. So Marcus Mariota had a great season last year. The uh, the Titans uh, ended up finishing what nine and seven, I believe. Nine and yeah, seven. I think I want to say around that. Um, Either that or ten and six. And they they were, were pretty good. And they were in the top ten in DVOA in offense, right? Now, primarily that had to do with their run game. Uh, they had an excellent run game. Demarco Murray, much to your chagrin, had a great year. Uh, and then also Derrick Henry kind of got peppered in there as well. Um, but what I really think is going to help Mariota this year is the upgraded receiving core. So. Uh, they drafted Corey Davis, number five overall. Uh, they also drafted Taiwan Taylor. And they also signed Eric Decker, who randomly got cut from the Jets yeah. after being basically their most, um, you know, uh, dependable receiver in the last few years. I mean, besides Actually, Brandon Marshall, who was obviously pretty great. Right. Um, but Eric Decker had a great, great career in New York. And, uh, and I, I have no idea why. He was cut, but anyway, uh, the Jets' loss is the Titans' gain. So I think with an updated, updated receiving core, uh, if if kind of you know Tennessee makes that step towards getting away from like the kind of ground and pound and getting into letting Mariota huck the ball, I think that he makes the leap this year. All right, I I mean it was kind of a toss up between uh, him and Jameis for me. I just went with Jameis because I feel with Jackson it really helps him out. The other one um, I thought before- you would say would be Wentz, but you didn't say. I don't think he's going to make the leap like to that next level. I think he's going to improve. I just don't think he's in the second year going to make a leap so great from last year that people are going to be like, wow, that came out of nowhere type thing. And he, his time's arrived type thing. I think it's another year away, at least getting more comfortable in the offense, hopefully getting more continuity with his offense, keeping some guys there like Zach Ertz, having Alshon Jeffrey, hopefully resign. So yeah, also, you know, I don't want to be like, you know, pounding Eagles things down people's throat yet. All um, right. Fair enough. Right, next question. question. Uh, I think we should do our first uh, guest pick for the NFL this year. Uh, we have the Drop and Dimes uh, sports podcast. It's the Matthew brothers who uh, host it. You can find them at Drop and Dime SP on Twitter to so go check them out. Uh, we're going to play the clip for them right now. It's like about three, four minutes. So guys, take it away. Hey, I'm Matthew, and welcome back to another edition of the Dropping Dimes Sports Podcast. And let's get right to it. Today, we're discussing a couple of football games, and make sure to follow us on Twitter at Dropping Dimes SP, and follow us on the Game Takes app at Dropping Dimes SP, and also Instagram at Dropping Dimes SP. So if you guys see a theme there, we keep it very consistent so you guys don't get confused. And the first game I want to talk about is the Patriots- Versus the Chiefs. Uh, this, the Patriots are coming straight off a fresh Super Bowl winning season, and Tom Brady getting his fifth ring, so they'll be hanging the banner that night. And they look unstoppable. They look even improved, more improved than last year, with the addition of Brandon Cooks and the return of Gronkowski. That receiving core with Hogan, Gronkowski, and Brandon Cooks, Mitchell, looks to be one of the top receiving cores in the league. And I think the Patriots will win this handily. And Compare 
Now let's look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs have drafted a quarterback, but they still had Alex Smith at helm. And when you think of the Chiefs, I think of a certain style of football, conservative. Uh, now that they've released Jamal Charles, I think it'll be very interesting to see who becomes the new head or leader of the team, uh, especially because we're looking at a at a, a new a, a Super Bowl contending season, hopefully, for the Chiefs. The time is now, and no better time to do it than beat the Patriots on the road. And I think the prediction, my prediction for this game is the Patriots win in a close one initially, 35-27. to 27. What about you? Uh, honestly, I, ha- I hate to agree with you because, I mean, I mean, who doesn't hate the Patriots? Let's just be honest with you. Anyways, the Patriots, you're right. They've reloaded, acquiring Brandon Cooks. So they're going to be really tough to beat at home, 8.30 on Thursday. So you got to say Patriots 31-24, something like that in my opinion. So we'll move on to our second game we're covering here, the Falcons at the Bears. That's going to be an interesting one. The Falcons, of course, are favored um, runners up in the Super Bowl last year. We all know how that went. Anyways, they're coming to Chicago. It'll be a nice game for them to start kind of facing a rebuilding Bears team in a way. They've decided to start uh, Mike Glennon, I believe, at quarterback instead of Trubisky. No one can blame him there, but uh, I still think even with Glennon at the helm, the Falcons are going to have... A fairly easy time in Chicago. It'll give them a chance to kind of get settled with their defense still on the young side with the additions of Duke Riley through the draft, done Terry Poe through free agency. It'll be a a good test for the Falcons to kind of get warmed up and get ready for uh, week two and beyond. Absolutely. I think this game should be a cakewalk for the Falcons. And this should be the game to prove that Falcons football is back. And I expect a blowout if they really do want to have another season where they contend for the Super Bowl. They got to start the rhythm early and show the world that they're back and they're moved on past what happened in the Super Bowl. And I believe they have, and that's why I think the Falcons win this one easily. I think it's something like twenty-seven to uh, three. Yeah. Okay. Thirty-five, thirteen, maybe. Anyways, quick uh, quick hot take, Shreyas. Uh, big game, week one, Seahawks-Packers. 15 seconds, what do you think? Four words. Aaron Rodgers, Martellus Bennett. That's all. Score? Ooh, that's tough. 35-27, I think. Yeah, it'll be a great game. I agree. Uh, it really depends on what Russell Wilson can do against the Green Bay defense. But uh, I'll say Packers... 28-24, close game. I think it will be, but I think the Packers win this one. Like yeah, you said. agreed. That's all we have for today, folks. Thanks for listening, and follow us at Dropping Dimes SP on Twitter, Instagram, and Game Takes. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Like their picks, uh, you know, you probably are pretty happy about the fact that you're uh, taking the Pats over the Chiefs tonight. I know you have to, and I know it hurts, but you have to. Yeah, I mean, it does hurt them, uh, Atlanta fans. So, you know, 28-3, sorry, guys, that had to be said. Um, But, you know, they think Atlanta's going to come out this week, show a strong uh, force, and basically just show people, hey, you know, we're still a good team. We're forgetting about last year. We're moving on. 
So we appreciate you guys doing that for us. Again, it's Dropping Dime Sports Podcast. You can find them again at Dropping Dime SP on Twitter. So again, go check them out. And thanks again, guys, for doing that. Perfect. So next. All right, on to your next question. Yeah. Next question we got. Uh, what coach is on the mild seat, the medium seat, and the hot seat? You don't have to have three, but I do. But, you know, you, you, can, you can pick and choose if you want. It's a lot of answers. Right, right why, now. Don't, why don't you go first? All right. My coaches, I have. I have Jay Gruden of the Redskins on the mild seat, mainly just because of the owner there and how crazy he can be. And if he doesn't like something, he just gets rid of it. It's Gruden's third season. He's done decent there. I think the Redskins players like him, but you never know. So I think he at least has a slightly warm seat. Uh, next, kind of a shocker on the medium seat. I'm going John Harbaugh of the Ravens. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I just feel like the past few seasons hasn't been as good as they could be. I know he's dealing with a lot of injuries and, you know, people like him, ownership likes him. But I think at some point, depending on how that team is doing, you got to make a change. I mean, you can't always blame injuries. Good coaches find a way around that. We've seen that with Belichick, as much as that makes me kind of clench and shudder thinking about how good he is at dealing with injuries. And then obviously the hot seat. It's been talked about for the past two years. Basically didn't happen last year because the man was dealing with, you know, a life-threatening disease and cancer. But Chuck Pagano of the Colts, I think, if they have a bad season, I think they're just going to get rid of them, cut ties, try to start new because this year is not looking pretty for the Colts either. I think those are all fair. I think the, the John Harbaugh one is a little scary. I mean, I, I kind of actually walked that line a little bit uh, at, at one point in my day. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, I think it was last year, actually. I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to get fired. I don't think there's any way that he's going to get fired. Yeah. I honestly think that there's not. Um, I mean, I feel like he has to be able to get touched at some point. I, I just don't think so. I mean, once you win a Super Bowl, you're kind of good for the next, like, 10 years. So he's got a few years left on his uh, <laughs> on his thing. All right. Uh, okay, cool. So my mild seat, I was going to go with Kyle Shanahan um, at, the, at the 49ers. I think they're going to give that dude so much rope. Uh, they pried him away from Atlanta. He's the head coach now. I think that they're going to give him years before they even think about switching out just because of how bad the line, the uh, roster is right now. Yeah, but I'm actually not going to go with Kyle Shanahan. What I'm going to go with is Marvin Lewis. <laughs> God damn it, this dude. What the fuck does he have to do to lose a job? Seriously, what does he have to do? That dude can do – that dude is like fucking Donald Trump right now. He could shoot someone in Manhattan, and the Bengals would be like, well, I mean, he went 9-7 and seven last year, so that was pretty good. Yeah, he made the playoffs. I know they lost, but they made the playoffs. Marvin Lewis is on the mild seat, and the day that they fucking get rid of my, Marvin Lewis, like, go get into your apocalypse bunkers, folks, because that's like – that's a real serious sign, the it day is. they get rid of that dude. That would be a scary day. My medium seat, I'm going to go with Jim Caldwell. I just, again, Lions, whatever. Yeah, right? I actually almost put him in the medium seat just because I was like, eh, Do does care? he even care? Yeah. Does he even care? He kind of looks like he doesn't care. I would also accept Todd Bowles because, like, yeah, he probably should be fired, but at the same time, the Jets know they're going to suck, so, like, why would he be fired? Yeah, I mean, why do that to him if you know you're going to suck in any way? Right. So that'll be my uh, that'll be my medium seat will be um, – you know, Caldwell Bulls, if they want to go ahead. My hot seat's going to be Doug Peterson. Wow. Okay. I feel like that's a direct shot at me for some reason. 
Well, there was a big storyline that came out because Mike Lombardi, uh, who is currently of the Ringer, but formerly of uh, the Browns uh, and the Raiders, uh, NFL executive, said that Doug Peterson was the least qualified candidate uh, to be a head coach in the entire league. And that's saying something because I actually have a next question here that is going to kind of highlight that. But that's really saying something. And if the Eagles actually struggle at all, especially in a division that, you know, besides the Cowboys being there, is pretty competitive and, and is winnable, um, you know, I, I think that he could potentially be on the hot seat. If you see Carson Wentz, um, you know, realistically de- uh, degrade or regress in any way, and if you see the defense not living up to their real potential, because the defense could potentially be very good. Oh, yeah. Um, then I think that he needs to warrant some consideration, some firing consideration. Okay. I guess you make valid points. I, I'm going to disagree with you. I think that he at least gets another third season guaranteed. But I didn't see that article, so maybe I should go see it and start questioning my beliefs. Hot seat. Hot, Hot seat. seat. Um, the next one that I want to talk about is – um, I like this question. Uh, the person that when you were researching this year, it could be anyone in the NFL. It could be an executive, uh, a head coach, uh, a player, uh, some sort of coordinator. But the person that made you go, who the fuck is that guy? I got a perfect answer for it because I remember I I literally saying it at the end of a fantasy football draft. Okay, you, you go first then. <laughs> go ahead. In uh, my fa- my one family league, my brother-in-law decided to take a guy who I, I looked and I was like, who the fuck is that guy? Because I had no idea. Never heard of him. Didn't even know what position he played. I had to look him up. And it was Marlon Mack. He's a running back for the Colts. Marlon Mack. He's on his bench. I had to do research. So they're like, put him in your deepest of deep leagues where you need like 30 people because if he gets to play for the Colts, man, could he be a stud? And I'm like, wait, if he could be a stud, why the hell would they not have him like right behind Frank Gore? Give him a shot. Makes no sense. But I literally remember saying at the end of the draft, I turned and I was like, who the fuck is that guy? He goes, I don't know. I found him on some deep sleeper list and I thought I'd take a chance. No, he's not going to start over Frank Gore because Frank Gore is the ageless wonder and he's a goddamn national treasure. We should all cherish Frank Gore while he's still in the league. Especially Um, on the Colts. That's a pretty good who the fuck is that guy. I think I got a pretty good answer for it. Who the fuck is that guy? When I was researching this uh, season – I stumbled upon the Denver Broncos and I read the coach head coach Vance Joseph. Yeah. Who the fuck is that guy? I, I had no was, idea. I yeah. thought it was, I, I didn't know that they had a new head coach. His name was Vance Joseph. I Who think, the fuck is Vance Joseph? I feel like I actually have an answer for this. I think he was a coordinator in Miami. Yes. He was the, yes. he was the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. I thought he was in Florida. I just Who the guess. fuck is that guy? The defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins? Yeah. Are you serious? I had the thought taking Brock Osweiler was a good idea, apparently, when he got cut. Like, what the fuck did the coordinator, the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins warrant? What did he do to warrant a, a head coaching job? No less. Who is like, not uh, horrible? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's like, Denver's not bad, but like, they're also like, they're not great, but they're they're not bad. I mean, they could very they could very easily, you know, turn into a real, you know, powerhouse. I mean, not powerhouse, but they could compete. Wild card, maybe. I don't know. They don't have great quarterbacks. I understand it. The defense, according to the Dolphins, who, by the way, Greg, finished last year uh, 19th in defensive DVOA. 
so it's not like they were like some sort of major like unit. It's not like the fucking I don't know, goddamn Seahawks or Vikings defensive coordinator got the job. Vance Joseph. So he really made me go, who the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, I bet you there's a plenty of people on Madden when they like show the coach on the sideline and they're like, Who the hell is that? Is that did that coach not sign a thing like Belichick? Yeah. Seriously. All right. Um, all right. Your next, your next uh, question. Yeah. I'm going to narrow it down. I got a few left, but I think there's like three left that I really kind of want to get an answer out of you. Uh, the next one is going to be, you can, it's kind of a two-parter. So who's your obvious MVP for the season and who's your dark horse? Yeah. That, I saw this one beforehand too. I think the obvious one has to be Aaron Rodgers because everyone sucks his dick all day. True. Um, I mean, that's just my opinion, you know, for the obvious one, you can pick another obvious one. There's like four obvious MVPs. Um, that you could very theoretically look at and say, oh, this person, this person, this person. But I think Aaron Rodgers is an easy one where they say, hey, they, they suck his dick constantly, so he's going to be the MVP. Yeah, that makes sense. Mine's um, Brady, just because yeah. Brady. Yep, those two are the obvious ones. Yeah. Those two are the obvious uh, MVP candidates. Um, so I think that those uh, those guys would be pretty good. So kind um, of shocked when they get announced. Right, Exactly. <laughs> Um, I think the, you know, a dark horse for the MVP, um, I'm going to say, this is going to be a weird dark horse. I'm going to say Le'Veon Bell. I don't think that's weird, actually. I, I think that there's never been, it hasn't been a running back to win the MVP in a long time. 2012, think, actually. Uh, yeah, Boom. 2012. It was Thank Adrian you. Peterson. I looked that so up. I think that, I think that Le'Veon Bell, everyone's talking about David Johnson as being the number one running back this year in the Cardinals, and I think that guy's really talented. Um, but I think that the... Steelers offense uh, could be very explosive this year in between the receiving and the rushing for Le'Veon. I think that's kind of what might push him over the edge. Um, the one thing that he's got working against him is he's got two to three other, you know, major weapons on that offense that could take real credit for it, which is yeah. Brown, Bryant, and Roethlisberger. Uh, so all those three guys could potentially take credit for what could be an AFC leading offense behind the Patriots, of course. Yeah, do you think uh, the Steelers have an issue with uh, drafting really good offensive players with B's for last names? <laughs> like, I don't know. You got me. I don't know if it's an issue. I th- I'd like to have that issue if that's yeah, the case. It's true. Uh, my dor- dar- dork, my dark horse is going to be actually <laughs> on the other side of the ball because, you know, the offense gets all the glory. I think uh, it's kind of a toss-up for me. It's either going to be Von Miller or it's going to be J.J. Watt. I think wow. it's gonna be one of those pass rushers. Uh, you know, both of them, especially if JJ's healthy, he hasn't had a full healthy season in a while. And when he's healthy and he's playing at the top of his game, that guy is unstoppable. He's easily the best defensive player. Von Miller's right behind him and Aaron Donald, but who knows if Donald's going to even be playing at the beginning of the week one because he's holding out. But I think if JJ's healthy, he's going to be playing the season for Houston. He's going to be like doing the whole team on my back type thing. This one's for the city. He's going to do all that J.J. Watt style, showing like two in the morning workout videos, like clearing water from streets and then going to the game and sacking seven times. So I think it could be J.J. Because also don't forget, once in a while, they do throw him into the offensive package. He pulls in a catch or two for a TD. I think it's a lock. That's an interesting pick. I don't mind it. Um, Especially because, you know, by the time he comes back, everyone's going to, again, be sucking his dick like crazy. Exactly. Um, the one thing that you should be a little concerned about is the idea of, uh, you know, a close to 300-pound defensive end with a back issue. Yep. That's a little, that's a little said, scary. He's putting the team on his back in Houston, though, so. 
yeah, well, uh, his back's fucked up. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, all right. That's pretty good. All right. So how many questions do you have left, Greg? I have two left that they're both kind of uh, fun ones to have. Okay. Um, then I'll, I'll find two more and then we'll both kind of end like that way. All right. um, okay. I'd say the playoff lock team, quote unquote, everyone is penciling them into the playoffs or, you know, whatever. Um, that is most likely to miss the playoffs. So the, the team, the playoff lock that everyone says is a lock to make the playoffs is most likely to miss the playoffs. Again, I, you know, NFC is kind of hard to pick out. So I'm going to go to the AFC side because the NFC is always kind of a toss. If you have Seattle, Green Bay, like this year, NFC East, you never know. And the a- NFC South, you actually never know who's going to actually make it in. So AFC, I feel like you always have like four or five teams that are locks. I'm going with the Ravens. They're one of those teams everybody always seems to put in as at least a five or six wild card team. Uh, I don't think they make it. Too many injuries. I know everybody always wants to be like, it's going to be them Steelers at the top of that division. So if they don't win it, they get the wild card. But I don't think it happens this year. And that's partly why Harbaugh is on my medium seat. I think they missed the playoffs. That's not a bad one. I'm going to go with Atlanta Falcons. Whoa. Let's go. Ins- let's go. Insult to injury. You know, uh, last year they had the biggest collapse in Super Bowl history. I don't know if you heard about that. I didn't. I think I missed the game. They they just lost their coordinator that uh, led them to one of the most efficient offenses in NFL history. They will regress towards the mean, uh, and they had the one of the healthiest seasons in uh and recent nfl history um none of their major players missed any time and even when julio jones sort of was about to miss time in the playoffs uh he had one of the super bowls of you know any recent wide receivers career it's true so all of those reasons lead me to believe that the atlanta between all those reasons and the fact that they're in one of the most competitive divisions in the league in my opinion the most competitive division i think that the atlanta falcons will miss the playoffs all right so, that is definitely a hot take. Uh, it's a bold choice. It could work out for you. NFC South is that division that literally every year I feel like it rotates who's the best team and who the best team was sucks the next year. Right. So, you might be onto something. Um, all all right. right. My second to last question involves two coaches going head-to-head tonight in the Patriots-Chiefs game because Maurice Jones-Drew came out with a hot take that was so hot the internet lost its mind when he said – the Chiefs have a head coaching advantage over the Patriots. I'm just going to give you some numbers here, James. So my question is, is the Kool-Aid man a better coach than the the dark Sith Lord? I'll go ahead and just say no and let you make whatever point that you decide to make here. Okay. You're going to hate my point. Uh, Andy Reid, I'm going to give you some stats. Andy Reid has made five NFC championships. He's won one. He uh, is 1-5 against Bill Belichick in his career. He has 173 wins, 114 losses, and a tie. And his postseason record is 11-12. Not too shabby for how long he's been there. You know, he's made a Super Bowl. Lost to Belichick in that one, too. You know, I get what they're saying. Players love him. He has a great coaching mind. Wears Hawaii shirts. Shows up to coach photos. And, I mean, the man's just a jolly man who walks through a room in red, and you're just like, oh, yeah. But I'm saying, oh, no. Oh, no, Maurice Jones-Drew. This time I have to go with the Dark Sith Lord because I'm not a crazy person like you who are just trying to get relevance again in the year 2017. Bill Belichick, James, you will be glad to hear this, is definitely the way better coach. 
You cannot look at anything Belichick has done in stacking against any other coach and make any sort of case that any coach is better, especially in the past two decades. There's no coach that does it better than Belichick. He's won five Super Bowls. He's made seven. He's won, I think, he technically has six Super Bowls, right? Because I think he won with the Giants or somebody when he was a coordinator. Um, His record is 237 wins, 150 losses, 15 losses. The man does not tie in football. He refuses to do so. And he has a 26 and 10 postseason record, which is just ridiculous. So basically, my answer is the same as your answer would be just a much longer winded version of it because I like to talk and hear my own voice sometimes. And I have to actually believe that I'm saying Bill Belichick is clearly the best coach in the league. Uh, Maurice Jones Drew joins the long and storied tradition of uh, AFC losers who are mad that. Bill Belichick is and Tom Brady are still winning. Yeah. Uh, so welcome to the club. You're joined um, wholeheartedly by uh, Mark Brunel, by Ray Lewis, um, by a bunch of other AFC losers who will always be losers. Yeah, I'm in the. I'm a junior associate member. Yeah, exactly. So thank you, Maurice Jones Drew, for joining the club. Appreciate it. You loser. <laughs> Uh, okay, you have one more question, so I'll just make one more question here as well. And mine is, which 31-year-old running back that literally just came out of retirement after a year and a half away from football, during a majority of which he was injured, are we expecting a little too much of? Would that be uh, Ahmad Bradshaw? No, actually, no. I was thinking Marshawn Lynch. Oh, Marshawn that's right. Lynch that. Let me get this straight. A year and a half ago, Marshawn Lynch, who was the most physical running back in the entire league and who was on the wrong side of 30, decided to hang up his cleats because he was too injured to continue to play football. He spent a year and a half eating Skittles and not playing football. Going and now on Conan all of a sudden, O'Brien. he's back on the Raiders, and we're penciling them in for one of the most explosive offenses in the entire league. I don't think so. You know what I think, Greg? I what? think that he's going to get three games in, and he's going to get fucking hurt. You want to know why? Because he hasn't old. been playing football. He's old, and he hasn't been playing football. You know what happens when people who haven't been doing something for a long period of time all of a sudden start trying to do it again? They're bad at it. Yeah, ask Brett Favre. Yeah, exactly. I mean, besides the Vikings here, that was pretty yeah, fun. That year but besides was pretty that, <laughs> look, I think that the, the Marshawn Lynch story is really great. He came back to the Oakland or whatever. But what is their backup plan? What happens if Marshawn Lynch is not good? Who is the second running back on their roster who's going to back up Marshawn Lynch? It should have been Latavius Murray, but they just let him go off to Minnesota and be with Dalvin Cook, and it made no sense. I mean, you're right. He spent a year and a half away. I get he's beast mode, and people think he's capable of anything in the world, but. I feel like you're right. It's going to be a few games in. He's going to get hurt. Uh, you know, he's not going to have that extra step that he could do and the extra, uh, you know, truck stick type move where he can just bolt through people. I mean, if he can come back and do it, fantastic. It'll be a hell of a team to watch. It'll be fun. They'll be the team that can compete with the Patriots, and that will be exciting at least. But I think you're pretty much right. I don't know why everybody's putting so much emphasis on thinking how good he's going to be this year. I mean, people are taking him in like the third round of fantasy football drafts for a running back. Makes no sense. I wouldn't do anything with him. It's even in like daily fantasy sports until I see some sort of legitimacy of Marshawn Lynch being back and playing. And real quick, do you know who else is coming off of a major injury in the Raiders right now? Fucking Derek Carr. The person that, who's going to actually need to carry the offense. So when Derek Carr is trying to get ba- acclimated into real speed NFL games again, 
after suffering a pretty major injury that kept him out of the majority of the playoffs. Yeah. We're be relying on a 31-year-old running back who hasn't played football in a year and a half because he was injured? Come mm. on! He's got faith in him. Matt, Matt, uh, Matt, David Carr is a, you know, good for yeah. that. Derek Carr, sorry. I get, get him and his brother, I always flip-flop. Um, Carr in general will have some faith in Marshawn. We'll just see how much faith he has in him after, like you said, game three. Yeah, exactly. Hey, when Adrian Peterson gets cut by the Saints, maybe you can sign him too. <laughs> Good. That'll be really fun. No You'll have the best backfield of 2006. It'll be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I have Adrian Peterson on my fantasy team. I'm hoping our Ingram goes down and Peterson's just like, hey, remember me? I actually still am decent and I'm like a weird freak of nature athlete. All right. Now, last question from you, Greg. All right, last question of our preview for the NFL before we go and start drinking and watching uh, Patriot football and football just in general. Tony Romo decided to hang up his cleats and stop getting his vertebrae crushed in every single week, and he's going to hang them up to put on headphones and try to do what we do, James, which is speak to the people, make them fall in love with us, and you know want to listen to us every single week. So my question is, will Tony Romo shine or will he suck in the TV booth this year? Well, the person who's replacing is Phil Sims, who really dropped off the last few years. I got to be totally honest with you. That was a tough last couple of years for Phil. Um, so I guess compared to Phil Sims, I bet he's going to be a little bit better. But that job is tough. That job is really hard. You know, um, we pre-record this thing and we don't really ever do double takes but occasionally we have to yep um, and it's because this like you know talking to people and, and actually having interesting things to say and compelling takes is really difficult um, we're not even good at it yet, in my opinion <laughs> we've been doing it for you know a year and a half at this point he has we've not talked to each other for years before that i know and tony romo has not and i i just I am hard-pressed to find a scenario where he's going to be really great. You know, I don't think he'd be bad necessarily, but, I, you know, he's got to also be able to kind of talk shit about people. One of my favorite ones, uh, one of my favorite um, announcers in the league right now or color commentators in the league is, um, oh, wow, I just completely blanked on his name right now. NBC, Sunday night, God damn it. Uh, Michaels? No, who's next to Michaels? Oh, uh, Chris Collinsworth. Thank you. Now we're gonna go ahead after you know edit all this. See exactly. This is why Tony Romo's gonna be shitty. No, um, Chris Collinsworth, and because Chris Collinsworth will talk shit about players if they're not doing well, and he'll back it up with real legitimate analysis uh, and digging into the game. But if someone's bad or someone's playing shitty, he'll call them out on it. And I don't know if Tony Romo has that ability. I've never. I mean, I. I could be wrong, but based on any of the press conferences around him, he's basically a Tom Brady who smiles more. Yep. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah, I think he's going to basically – I think he's going to suck for the most part. I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that just after like week two runs out of stories and just keeps start repeating himself every week. And people are yep. be like, wait, didn't he talk about this last week? We get it. You got hurt a lot. You also you know, got to do Jessica Simpson. Good for you, man. High five, all that. Great for you. You have kids now. Uh, you know, fantastic. And uh, – Good for you, but hey, can you get somebody to come back on and replace you? Because I'm bored out of my mind. Yeah, I totally agree. So, and I think that's it, man. I think that it covers it. Wow. Good what preview. Cast. Good, yeah, good, good preview. preview. All right. Anything else you want to say to the people before we kind of let this thing uh, wrap and, and we and we head on to our respective TVs for tonight's game? Uh, basically, that I think uh, Super Bowl is going to be Raiders versus. 
Hmm. I didn't get that far in the NFC. I just got Raiders because I just don't want it to be the Patriots. So at least Raider fans, you'll have a Super Bowl potential. Pat Seahawks two, Patriots win uh, eight hundred to nothing. All right. Well, you know that that's a great score prediction. Betters will love that. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we will talk right, to you guys next week. Uh, everybody, enjoy the games. Enjoy the first weekend of NFL football. James, you have a good one, my friend. Take care, brother. The sports dance.